I'm Dawn. And I'm Tracy. And we are Real Women. Hello, Tracy. Good afternoon. Hello, Dawn. So, really, really excited today. Uh, We are going to be talking about dispelling the myths of Playboy bunnies. And it is with huge pleasure. Actually, there are a couple of reasons why I'm really excited about our guest today, Natalie. Firstly, she's a phenomenal human being, firstly. The other reason is she literally rocks as uh, a woman at, at all levels and really feels strongly about empowering human beings. Uh, but thirdly, she was head uh, bunny at Playboy with a team of 70 girls under her in management in the UK for quite a long time. Yeah. So, with pleasure, Natalie. Hello, good afternoon. Hello. <laughs> so great to have you on here. I tell you, if I'd, when I was younger, if I'd have had the looks and the figure, I'd have wanted to be a Playboy bunny. It was never going to happen, but... <laughs> well, me and Natalie were talking yesterday. So, firstly, Natalie, what I wanted to do, or what we wanted to do, and I know that this is something that will be close to home with you as well, especially in this era where we've got lots of reality TV and wanting people to be famous, people want to be famous and all of that. And the relationship between that and things like Playboy, there is an assumption that everybody's a porn star or an ex-prostitute or a stripper or all of those things. And I know you've heard all of that. And what we like, what I wanted to do, I think, was let's shine some reality on that because I think... In a world that we live in at the moment where it's so judgmental and women get so much pressure and judgment about their bodies and who they are and are they selling their soul and all the rest of it. I thought it was incredibly interesting that you actually was in a, you were in an environment that was directly related to the sex industry. Therefore, there's lots of perception about that that might leave people thinking differently about the women who are involved in it. And I thought it would be really cool to shine some light on that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, why did you become a bunny? So, I think at the time I was working in kind of like an IT sales role, but I was doing um, a bit of modelling, like back and forth from London, trying to like make my mark in modelling. And I'd done some like beauty pageant stuff, which wasn't really for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Uh, I'd done a music video and I'd met a girl there and she was working for Playboy and saying how good it was and like the experience. So then I'd had a little look online um, and I'd always kind of like, you know, when I was 18, I'd got all my friends to dress as Playboy bunnies. So I've got like them pictures, which is really, really funny (laughs) after how it turned out. And then, you know, I've always like watched like girls of the Playboy mansion or things like that. So I'd kind of always known what Playboy was, but not known what it was. Because you, like you say, when I was introduced to Playboy, it was like we'd have a bedspread of it or something when I was like younger. We didn't know that it was like sex industry as such, um, which which the part that I got involved in isn't sex industry. So I'll explain that a bit more. But yes, yeah, so I was working in IT and then I'd basically just decided I'd wanted a career change. She'd spoke about how good it was. I went down to London for the weekend Um, And I'd got two job interviews. So I had one with Playboy on the Friday. I'd stayed overnight and then I had one for Virgin Atlantic 
on the Saturday because my mum was kind of like, oh, you should be an air hostess. You'd get to travel the world. So I'd sort of, was just not happy in sales. So I was like, okay. Um, and then I went down and done the Playboy. Um, it's like a casting day. So a bit more like a modeling casting, which was um, an experience. It was in, intense, but it was really good fun. And then I'd kind of came out of that and rang my mum and I was like, oh, I've got the job. My mum was like, oh, they've told you already. And I was like, no, 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 they're going to ring me on Monday and tell me, but like, I've got this feeling that I've just got it. <laughs> so, fair. So to be clear with the modelling, that was not porn, porno, pornographic modelling. That wasn't topless modelling. It, was, it had nothing to do with that. So you weren't introducing yourself to this world via that pathway, which is what I think a lot of people assume. No, so I was kind of doing like modelling for Speedo swimwear and I'd done some bits for like Ted Baker. So it was just all like clothes, like more like magazine or a little bit editorial, nothing major. You know, like it wasn't like I was, I'd done a couple of catwalk things because at the time I was like, I'm tall, aren't I? But I was like super skinny. So it wasn't, I wasn't doing, it was nothing, no topless, no porn. Well, no. you're actually too, what a lot of people won't realise, you're too tall for topless. They like short girls so that... Really? Yeah, when I I'm, did some modelling when I was 18, 19, 20, and I worked, sometimes when we do promo uh, things at exhibition centres and stuff, a lot of the page three girls were there and they were all five foot two. Yeah. Uh, yeah because when actually, you take Sam a photo, really yeah, short, yeah. She? when you take a photo, if you've got a short body, your boobs stick out more. I think that that's yeah. kind of it. And they never had tall girls ever. Really? Yeah. Probably because we've got long torsos. <laughs> we've got long, we've got long torsos. Yes. <laughs> so, so tell us the gossip, Natalie. <laughs> what's it like behind closed doors I think like firstly Playboy Club London is a um it was a nightclub casino restaurant and bar so first off the the, the roles of the bunnies are you know they're door hostesses waitresses but we call them valets and um casino dealers so I originally went for um a position of a waitress but then was put straight into dealer training school um so croupier croupier yeah. yeah which was great because I could do the maths and it was just a whole new learning experience um so we went into training I can't remember I think we trained for about six weeks and then we went out live on the tables and got our costume and everything and got fitted so it was a weird experience so for four years while I was there I worked on the table so I just did shift work and I was working and and um a croupier and then after four years I then went for the role of head bunny and then kind of from then on like that's when I started to get more career progression like became a manager started to organize events and work with brands and work a lot more with uh, the playboy brand and the playboy us so that's when I got the real experience of playboy but obviously you know there's two sides to it so I worked as a playboy bunny um and you know they're like the iconic bit from the 60s yeah you know um it's the glam and glitz of like old school Mayfair in London. It's kind of, it kind of had that feel about it. Um, but then there's also the other side to the, the, the Playboy side, which is the Playmate side. So that's where you kind of naked in the magazine. Right. That was kind of your, like your full frontal. So there's like two sides. So I think that's the difference. And that's where people get con confused because re really and truly, as soon as you say Playboy, people do think sex it definitely has a massive impact in the sex industry without a doubt but I just think the experience that I had at Playboy has 
not really got anything to do with the sex industry. How did you handle the uh, backlash of people's... So how did your family respond and how, you know, did you, did you get much shit for it? I think I didn't actually get that much shit for it because I think people were quite intrigued. My nan had watched... Um, my nan's she's so cool bless her but she'd watch girls of the playboy mansion with me so she was just like oh my god you're gonna get to meet kendra this is gonna be amazing so she'd kind of like <laughs> my granddad didn't have chance to ask too many questions because like my nan was fully on board and then my mum was just like oh, are you sure you want to move to london um but my mum's always been quite open-minded so my mum was like look if it's something you want to do like go for it i would say out of all of my family members my auntie was probably the most like reserved because she was kind of like but you've got a good job like, are you sure? Like, and I was like, I'm, I'm young. Like, I just, I'm going to move to London. I li- and I actually moved within two weeks. It was like full on um, because I lied at the, the Playboy <laughs> casting, which uh, was one of my, the funniest things. But uh, the manager said to me, oh, have you got somewhere to live? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I've got a friend down here. I'm going to flat share. So then when they said I got the job on Monday, they were like, oh, perfect. So you start in two weeks. And I was like, oh my God, I need to find somewhere to live. <laughs> so I was like, why did I do that? So then I was like running around. So I think people didn't really have enough chance to, to like, for, for me to experience their opinions or say anything like too drastic. But I did find um, when I'd been in London for maybe like two or three years doing the Playboy thing, I remember I came home, it might've been at Christmas time and I seen um, some people from college and like one of the boys was like, oh, I just expected so much better from you. Like, I just expected you to do better. But you were earning a lot of... I was earning a lot of money. I was out earning, yeah, I was earning very, very good money for like my age. And just also like, it was just insane. Like, but it was just that like people don't even ask questions. They don't even ask what you do. They don't ask what Playboy Casino is. They just assume. Yeah. Um, and I think Playboy's always kind of aired on the air of mystery. So like um, Playboy Club London's like, it's all black. It was, it was all black outside with a big bunny sign. So even walking past, if you didn't know it was a private members club, casino, restaurant and bar, you wouldn't know. What so was going on inside? Yeah. Like, so it, is there a room in the back for the waitresses to, well, take, I, I to do extras? Thought, I always thought it was like yeah. lap, dan- lap dancing club. You know, they're all yes. blacked out. And, but you go inside. And yes, I have been inside a lap dance club. Yes, not that much yes, of a prude. Obviously. But you yeah. go inside and you realise there are private back rooms yeah. and there are open stuff going on. And you, I always assumed, because I lived... I worked in London for a long time. I always assumed that's what that was. I thought it was some sort of lap dance club. Yeah, I definitely think. But that's how they air on the air of mystery, isn't it? Yeah. Because everyone assumes that it's a lap dancing club and then, you know, they don't go in or they've never been in. Um, But it was a private members club, very wealthy, quite a lot of celebrities. You know, you're talking people from all around the world that have got a lot of money. Um, And the casinos, you know, it's gambling. So that's got like a big attraction but I think yeah a lot of people didn't know what it was so they did assume like I think a lot of people thought that I obviously worked in a strip club yeah I'll be honest and I think you know the costumes I wouldn't say it was risky for me it wasn't risky it was like um I said to Dawn like it's one of the most empowering things to wear like when you put it's that so costume iconic on though, isn't it? you it's... are part of such a rich history of like 
oh, it's a it's an insane experience. Like that is definitely the one thing that I do miss is is the costume. Like <laughs> oh, I loved it. Like it pulled you in. The seams just fit it like a corset. You know, it, we had we wore two pairs of tights. Um, but there's all secrets to the costume. You know, everyone used to be like, oh God, they've had plastic surgery because they're like, boobs are like up here. In reality, we've got two tails up there. <laughs> like we're all hoisted in and shoved up. So there's like, you know, it's, I think it's just all an illusion, but people just see it as sex. So they're either like, you know, they've got an opinion on it or an assumption without actually seeing what went on in yeah, there. Yeah, and I mean, if you, look at the, if you look at the term sex, it's not always about that intimate act, yeah? There is an element of sex in the sense that, you know, shoving your boobs up, it's done so that the people, the customers, the clients are attracted to what's it's inside. It's aesthetically yeah. pleasing. Yeah, brilliant word done. <laughs> it's aesthetically pleasing. And in a way, whilst that's not pornographic and it's not an intimate sex act, it is based on selling yeah. the sexual part of the body, surely. Well, I think the costume's just so iconic. Yeah. Like, so, you know, they were wearing it in the 60s. They wear it now. It's, you know, it's so iconic. Playmates have worn it. So we used to always say playmates borrow our costumes. So, you know, Kate Moss wore it when she did a, her nude spread in Playboy. You know, she wore the costume. Now, that it's a rarity, really, because it's the bunny outfit. But, you know, it is iconic. You know, we're not, we were never uh, allowed to keep the costumes. Um... But I just think, I don't know, for me, it was more empowering. I never really looked at it as like, I felt beautiful in it. All the girls looked, you know, amazing in it. And, you know, everyone's different. So the girls were all different heights. They were different sizes. They were, you know, different ethnicities from all around the world. So that was one of the things that I loved about it because it was just, you just meeting people from all over, like friends that I wouldn't have had if I'd have stayed up here. And, you know, they were friends for life. We, we had an experience that is part of a, his, a rich history. So like when we meet the bunnies from the 60s, which I've met quite a few, and they're, you know, older women now, but you can tell they, they were a bunny because of how well put together they are. Okay. It's like, you can't lose it. No. It's like, if you wear your makeup or this is how you do it or how you dress or you wear your high heels, it's ingrained in you. It's like imprinted. Yeah, yeah. it's like they don't lose it. Like they're and, so glamorous. And it's recognisable, isn't it? I mean, you fancy dress parties. If somebody goes yeah. dressed as a bunny, it's always, oh, they're a Playboy bunny. You know, you see some of the reality shows, yeah? Um, Love Island, classic example. If they're doing talent night, somebody will always end up being a Playboy bunny. Yeah. It's always in there somewhere. Yeah, you can't. I mean, it's a, it's a global brand. It's a machine, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what what I'm fascinated about is the camaraderie, the, the the female camaraderie, and the female empowerment. That's almost. It feels like it's it, it's bred into the culture of being a bunny. Yeah, it like you know. One of the things that I always say, you know, everyone's got their negative connotations and, and a lot of feminists are like, you know, Playboy's like the worst thing ever. Like you're degrading yourself and this and that. And, you know, I've kind of I've heard it all. And um, how do you how do you respond to that? Well, again, it's an assumption because you haven't been in the yeah. building. So unless you've been in there, you know, and, and you know, if unless you've worn the costume or you've experienced it, you can't say that we've been exploited. You know, you can't say you're exploited unless you've stepped in the shoes. And yeah. you weren't exploited. And you got an in interview way, and you chose to do that job to the point where you lied and said you'd got somewhere to live. Yeah. How is that exploitation? Being exploited is a choice. It was it's a an choice. absolute 
conscious decision. In yeah. fact, she chose that over Virgin Atlantic. Yeah, I did. I do, so it wasn't like, like, I do was... like the Virgin Atlantic hostesses, though. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a cool job as well. What was... Um, we had a great conversation yesterday about this on the business side of it. And you got promoted into management and running the event. You were head... Yeah, head, I then became head bunny. And then, what does that mean? So that was just basically, um, you kind of overseed all the girls. So you were like someone that the girl, like someone in charge and checking all the girls and making sure everyone's got the correct uniform. So like you've got two pairs of tights on, you're covered up, you've got this, you've got the correct makeup, correct nails. Like it was very strict. Um, I think that's one thing that people don't realise is it's very strict at Playboy. Like dress code was very strict and just, you know, fraternisation was very strict and other modelling jobs. Even that was kind of like that had to be ran past play, Playboy. Because oh, wow. like you say is what they don't want is, you know, um, or what they didn't want is like a girl coming to Playboy, working there for a couple of months, then going on Love Island. Because I'm not being funny, Love Island were hitting up the girls all the time to go on because you know how good would it be to have a playboy bunny work on but then when you go on love island you're representing more than just you now yeah and that's the brand that's, you're representing the brand, the brand. Well, th that happened didn't it there was one episode and I'm, I'm gonna come to love island later because there is a question i want to ask about it or a little debate i want to go into but a few years ago there was a ex miss world or miss great britain yeah, miss great britain and she left the show early because at the end of the day she was basically going to lose her title and was it love island it was big brother was it, it, it was zara it was, zara um yeah love it was love yeah, island yeah. it was okay. definitely love island but the part of it was and there was a big debate at the time you know what right has the miss world board or whatever they're called got to stop somebody doing something but at the end of the day she was representing that brand yeah so i do get why they've got the you can't go on love island if you're a playboy bunny yeah yeah well I, you know as much as you know she went on love island she did what she did like we know what she did in reality she got stigma because the miss world or miss great britain didn't want to be involved in that well, you know, if a Playboy bunny had gone on and done that, oh, God, oh, we nice. don't need the stigma anyway. That would have just been, do you know what I mean? That, that would have just proved, that had just proved the assumption, yeah, wouldn't it? It would have proved all the, all the assumptions. So I just think it's just, it wasn't for the brand. We weren't, if we were, you know, I did a lot of press for the brand. I've, I, I worked for the brand for years. I traveled, you know, I traveled to South Africa um, and I went to the Playboy Mansion. So I did a lot okay, of no, stuff. No, we've got to stop there. Like. <laughs> no, Dawn, Dawn's going to go back have, on that one, we Natalie. We have questions. Tell me about the mansion. So the, man, the, the day I went to the mansion was brilliant. Um, I went to LA. I was doing a photo shoot in LA. And um, they invited me to go, to go to the mansion. And it is exactly like it is in the music video. So anytime you see it, that's exactly like it is. So like... Um, we drove up there and there's like a big fountain in the middle and then the tennis courts. And I was like, oh my God, it's out of the Nelly and Justin Timberlake <laughs> yeah. video. Like, I was like, you feel like you've seen it before. Um, and then they've got like the grotto which and the big swimming pool, which is just crazy. Cause you're just like, oh my God, I dread to think what happens in there. And, um, but they've got a zoo there. What? They've got a full, <laughs> they, well, they did have, it's been sold now, but they did have like a zoo. So they had like um, little spider monkeys. They had like flamingos wandering around. They had peacocks on the ground. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, they had their offices there as well. And then the area where like Hef, Hef would live, was living. And I think some of the girls at the time, because it was still around the time when I joined, 
Um, it was still around the time of the Playboy Mansion. So you would have still have kind of got like Kendra and that, I think, kind of there. But yeah, it was, it was just an amazing experience. I didn't go to a party there or anything. I just went um, to have a look around and see it and meet some of the Playboy team. So it, it was a great experience. I mean, the thing is for me, forget the assumptions. And one day some of you guys will see this on video. We are planning to put some of our videos out. But there is a massive smile on Natalie's face yeah. because... This is not, you know, the word exploitation isn't anywhere on her face. No. This is, this was passion. This was excitement. This was, I've I had arrived. A great time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, for me, it's, you know, I'm never going to get to relive them years, am I? No. So like, it's the best experience and like the best memories. And, you know, like the girls, some of the girls are still my best friends. You know, like we're going to be friends for life because we, we met there and then we worked together and we've been friends for years and, and only we know of that experience. So yeah, I, I, I generally do. I generally did love it. It was, an, it was, it was an amazing experience. Now I want to quickly go back to something. So we were talking about the, the bunny outfit earlier and what's brung to mind for me, rather than being some sort of, I don't know, sexual symbol, what I heard coming from you, Natalie, was it raised your self-esteem. Was that a correct reading I got from you, that having that outfit on was as much about your self-esteem suddenly flying off into the stratosphere as it was being a Playboy bunny? Yeah, I think with the costume, one of the things that I would say is you wear the costume inside the Playboy club and all the girls have got the costume on. So, you know, you walk in the door, the hostesses have got the costume on, you walk upstairs, the valets have got it on, the croupiers have got it on. So you really feel at home in it. You don't feel like everyone's staring at you because you're in the costume. You feel like you fit in. Yeah. Like you feel like, oh my God, I'm one of them. <laughs> so you, you kind of got that feeling. But I did a lot of work for Playboy, a lot of promo and stuff, and had a lot of experience outside of the building in the costume. And that was probably where you experienced the effect of it having on other people okay so other people getting more excited by it so you're a little bit confused because like i was saying to dawn one of the weird things is, is when a celebrity asks you for a photo <laughs> and i was saying like for me i was like oh my god they just asked me for a photo and i'm like well they're not asking natalie egan for a photo they're asking <laughs> for playboy bunny yeah but it's easy yeah. to be, it's easy to be like oh my god a celebrity just asked me for a photo so yeah it's just such a weird vibe but it is it is iconic so people are asking you for photos and things so you kind of forget like you're not the famous one they are <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's the it's the it's the costume that's famous yeah. Yeah. not the person in it <laughs> yeah. and you know what natalie we, we were talking about the business side of it and she raised a great point which was the equality pay uh difference that we all moan about yeah so like years ago there was like loads of stuff about um the gender pay gap and at Playboy, the girls are paid, paid more. So when that was like really big in the news and everyone was talking about it, in our business, the boys are paid less because the girls are the forefront that make all the money and make all the tips and they're the forefront of the business. So in the tip pool, the girls would make more money. So in reality, we didn't have a gender pay gap at Playboy because the girls made the money. But I think that's really great because to me, equality should not be an issue. Men yeah. are different from women, yeah. full stop. Yeah. What I love about that is it's equitable. Yes. The people who are bringing in the clients, the bunnies, 
have an equitable pay, yes. which happens to be more than the guys, because not because it's man versus woman, but because the females in this case happen to be in the bunny costume. Well, they were money-making assets. They were the, the money-making asset, yeah. Yeah, and also, like... To be clear, like getting ready to go into costume, you know, you can't, you full hair and full makeup and that takes time, that costs more, you know, uh, the boys, you know, they were like the bartenders or the managers, you know, they're popping on a suit and they're good to go. So it, it was a little bit different. We had yeah. to spend a lot more time getting ready. Um, but we were paid for that. So, you know, no one ever moaned about getting ready because you were paid. You were paid? Yeah. So when you, when you were promoted into management and had to swap, into a suit did that change the dynamic with the sisterhood and the camaraderie how did the guys respond to that because there weren't many women in management I think um I don't think it changed because I would jump in and out of costume so big events I'd wear the costume or if there was something they needed me to wear the costume for For. or I was asked to wear it I'd wear it but on a day-to-day basis I was becoming more and more behind the scenes and setting up stuff where the goal, the other girls were out there a bit more. Um, and I, I didn't mind it at all. I don't think it changed anything. I think the girls still had someone to rely on and kind of, you know, still had me. I think in management, that's a totally different get up because I found, you know, the male managers would respect my position because, you know, oh, she can easily communicate with all the girls. And, you know, what I, I'm definitely quite an influencer um, in my leadership now so like you know I'm really good at getting the team on board and it's just you know smashing stuff out um, and I've always had that um, but I found when we had female management that was where um, I don't know there was just a very big difference like being on an all-male board boardroom was I was absolutely fine with but you had a female in the mix and because I can jump from bunny to management it, it didn't always go down well. I just don't think they always respected me. And I think I threatened their position. Yeah. What, when, when was this? What, what decade was it? Well, it's in the last 10 years. In the last 10 years. So if I go back 20 years now, um, several of my roles in corporate, I was like the only female in the room had nothing to do with the bunny outfit I can promise you that <laughs> yeah it, it, they it was the same yeah. kind of attitude back then yeah. um because they, they weren't used to having the feminine energy you know and the world's changed thankfully but I think all boardrooms all management a few years ago it, it just wasn't the norm people were used to just having the testosterone in the room but do you not yeah. think that it's worth raising as well that we point the finger at the misogynistic attitude towards women from men but I don't know a single woman that hasn't at some point or another and Natalie's just raised this where actually women don't uplift women in those environments oh god yeah no that's what I'm saying so it wasn't like you know on that boardroom there was another woman on there and I had an ally it was like on that boardroom. I, you were competition. You, I you was, were competition. It, I, you know, are you going to take my promotion or are you going to step up or or because I have seventy the seventy girls or work with them? It was. I felt like I was more of a threat when you know. I'm I not think, being funny. I, was, I think I didn't is want. The... I didn't want any of them roles. You know, I, I loved my role. I think that is the case, mm. though. I mean, because me and Dawn always advocate we're called real women because it's two women who sometimes talk shit. <laughs> Oh. But we're just real and honest, yeah. yeah? 
Um, we don't filter anything. We we do not edit anything out of the the show. But we also have a big passion for you know we want to uplift women, but not at the expense of the masculine because no. we've all got a part to play. But it is totally and utterly true, and it pisses me off. The number of women that try to drag other women down, down as if it's yeah. like, don't get high on your pedestal, lady, because I'll knock it over. Well, fuck you. Can I also say, we're all quite tall. I, I think tall women are get it worse. You know, when you've got a really small five foot two, very girly, pretty little thing. And then you've got girls like us that are a lot taller and have that tall stature when you walk in a room. Other females who are small can sometimes... Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because I used to think, and I know this is digressing a bit, but it, it is in answer to the question. I used to think I was the only one out of our family getting bullied at school. I found out years later, not that many years ago, that actually my sister, who was a lot shorter than me, was getting the same frigging treatment. I wonder if we think that, uh. because it's a coincidence that we're all three tall people, all in, you know, we've got businesses, we've been bunny girls, that's Natalie, okay, not me or Dawn, <laughs> but we've been bunny girls, we've done some phenomenal things, so I wonder if that judgment may be a link that actually isn't a genuine link. I honestly think some shorter females get as much stick yeah, no, no, as I we do. I wasn't saying that, you know, that's the only caveat. I, I, I go back to, like, I can... There was a neighbour, uh, this is like a million years ago, probably 30 years ago, and a couple of the mums from the playground used to drop the kids off and every Wednesday morning go into town and do some mum shopping. And I said once... Uh, what, what, I can come. And she's like, if you think I'm walking down the street with you, Dawn, you've got another thing coming. I don't want you to come. You make me feel small oh, in and insignificant. That, in that yeah. side, Do you yeah. see what I mean? I don't, I definitely... And that's not the only time someone female has been honest enough to say no. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. For me, like the height thing, you know, that's, that's, um, I love it. Like I wouldn't have been in, wouldn't be where I was if I didn't have height. Like I wouldn't have got into modelling. I wouldn't have done beauty pageants. I wouldn't have been a Playboy bunny. I doubt there was obviously smaller Playboy bunnies, but I just mean my height's never really been a, been a thing, a, a cling up for me. Like I actually quite enjoy being taller. But I think it's not about height. I wouldn't even say it's about um, you know looks it is just the peer pressure of women being pipped against each other so yeah. if someone's got something that you haven't got that pressure is on and that pressure is you know um if you know there's a someone who can b balance a job better or can do something better women are just always naturally kind of un unsure of themselves which is one thing that i really hate yeah. but they're unsure of themselves so that is why you know, having a female on the, on the the boardroom team, I never had any problems from from the males. They never spoke down to me. I never experienced anything awful. They always just respected me. But I found the females, wow. it was way more bitchy. Like it was way more like <clears throat> I'm going to take you out. It was way more kind of competition. 
And it was just such a weird environment because you think we're not allies to each other in, in, in a boardroom setting always. And we forget that like, if we empowered each other more and judged each other a little exactly. bit less, we'd, we'd all go win. further. We'd all yeah. win as well. Yeah. So if there's any girls listening on here, yeah, don't be like the previous generations. Uplift each other. Don't bitch each other down. <laughs> I, I get so frustrated with that one. Yeah. yeah. I think like as women, we're the most judgmental. So like, I'll be honest the people that would give me the most stick for probably being a playboy or saying I'm not a feminist or I, I, you know, all of this is women. But if you haven't been in there and had a look, then, you know, they're like, oh, it's CD. It's all old men in there. And I said to Dawn, yes, we had a hell of a lot of celebrities, which was amazing to meet them. But we also had, you know, um, regular clients that would come in and then on a Sunday, they'd bring their wife and their children in, not children, because obviously over 18, but if they had older sons or daughters, they'd come in and they'd have Sunday dinner or they'd introduce you to people or they'd bring business people in. So it was never like, you know, I don't know. I think it just had this thing like it was just like loads of old men. I you think, know, it yeah. was a celebrity hangout. We threw parties for like, you know, we did Kate Moss's cover party. We had celebrities there, Bruno Mars, you know, Drake. Um, I can name absolutely loads, but Snoop Dogg, like it was a celeb hangout. I think that's what people need to remember. Like the brand is iconic. So yeah. people want to go because it's got that. And, you know, you can't really take photos in there. So celebrities could relax. They could bring their friends there. It was kind of like a... Probably quite a safe place for them. Yeah. And just a like cool environment, really. Like we had a lot of footballers and boxers and, you know, like people that people would know. And we had a lot of people from America come over because they know the brand. So it was just, yeah, people from all over the world, you know, Chinese, Israeli, Arabs, could that, that's what came into the, was brought into the casino because that's like the kind of casino world. But it was just a lot more diverse. And I think people just kind of thought it was like old men getting a lap dance. Well, I yeah. think that's what it is, isn't it? I mean, you know, the, I was going to say, do you think this was a worldwide thing or was it the, the assumptions coming from that CD UK old man syndrome? And I don't think it is. I think it's like any industry, which is why I love the fact that Dawn and I cover these topics, you know, let's dispel the myths of what Playboy is and isn't. It's like anything, isn't it? If all you ever do is go on hearsay and assumption and never actually experience it, to me, it's like you don't have the right to judge it because you don't know the full picture. And so the, and, and having the fantastic career that you've had before you were at Expert Empires, and of course now you're head of client experience, you're head of events, we know how hard you work. <clears throat> but actually the skill set uh, not only naturally lends to, I think, what, it's some of your natural attributes of character. <laughs> were you about to say natural assets? I, I was, and I corrected myself <laughs> yeah, because of surprised. what we're talking about. Oh. Yeah, that's um, another big yeah. assumption, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is. But how fantastic that, and again, surprising, it's like it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for somebody to think, yeah, mm, well, she probably did soft porn, got into being a playboy, got old, they they sacked her because she was done and then she's had to go and find something. That isn't what happened. You didn't have anything to do with anything CD or, you know, paid for any sex or topless photos or anything. You gained, you got into management, you gained fantastic skill sets with regards to running events and being professional and dealing with human beings. Uh, and then you're now head of client experience and head of events at Expert Empires. Um, 
which actually is quite a natural progression. In fact, it was a step down, actually. Oh, don't, don't, no. don't let Nick know no, that, will well, you? Okay, no, in as far as she had a team of seven, she was in charge of seven, a team 70 of 70. People. yeah. Whereas yeah, as I phenomenal think, as Expert Empires is, it's a smaller team. So from that perspective, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I think at Playboy, there was like, the, there was 70 bunnies, but and there was a high turnover. So it's a very different business. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I didn't get sacked from there. Um, and they gave me a great career. And, you know, I'm always going to be grateful for the experience that I had with Playboy. Um, and I left during COVID. And then I'd say probably about six months later, the club had kind of closed, um, which I, I felt like was, it felt natural for me to leave. Um, and I took I mean, redundancy. Well, no, so. the, the official sentence now is that they obviously closed because Nat had gone Nat had gone <laughs> obviously yeah obviously <laughs> I wish that was the case but I don't think it was um but no I think you know Covid hit and everything changed and I just took a step back because I felt like I was you know running on empty with Playboy just before we hit Covid so I'd, I'd, I'd been there nine years it's a long yeah. time and I'd built a great career but definitely transferable skills so like you know when I came I'd been running quite a few events at Playboy so when I transitioned into this job it was so easy to transition into the event side and the client experience you know I'm quite an organized person so it was a natural transition um but yeah like Dawn said I, I, I definitely think people would would have probably thought oh she you know she she got too old or she couldn't you know um but no that wasn't actually the yeah. case I will I will say guys it's nothing to do with getting too old or not looking as good because Natalie's got the most phenomenal she pair of eyelashes. <laughs> She's hot. She thought I was like going to say fire. something else then. She's hot. <laughs> she, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Thank we'll, have, you. we'll have to get the video out onto YouTube soon. <laughs> we, we are in the process of getting that set up. But yeah, when the video comes out, guys, go watch the video. To, these eyelashes are just amazing. <laughs> I want some, Dawn. So if you had, if there was, if there was somebody listening to this who's daughter wanted to become a bunny or um had been exp you know they were worried about anything like that what what would you say to assure people I think you've got to stay like open-minded and I think you know it's whenever a child wants to like take a career option I think you've got to be supportive because one of the one things you know about my family is they were really supportive um and, I, and my mum came in playboy my aunties came in playboy and had dinner they had the best night they'd ever had my <laughs> auntie um thought it was brilliant you know you i brought my mum in for afternoon tea like you know we did afternoon tea it wasn't a cd strip club it was just it's so weird because once people realize what's it what it's like my mum was like wow it's so amazing in here um so yeah, it was just, I, I enjoyed it. I had a great time. And I just think you've just got to support, support people. Like, you know, it's not OnlyFans. I wasn't doing OnlyFans. I wasn't doing any type of porn. That, I think if that's what it was, then it might've been a different conversation from my family. Maybe if I was going to go down the Playboy route and be naked in a magazine, I definitely think my mum would have had something to say or maybe, you know, my granddad. Because I think, you know, as well, is that stays with you forever. I've got friends yeah. who did... Um, some like topless, um, what was it like FHM? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. When we that. were like eighteen, yeah, and then tried to get jobs, and you know we're struggling to get jobs because they'll do a search on you, and then you know certain careers or corporate wouldn't want that. Like, so yeah, I kind of shied away from from kind of all of that. But and how nice is it to hear that 
that actually there was no pressure for her to do that. Yeah. There's, in fact, if we look at some corporates, there are women that have had to, uh, they haven't had to, there are, there are women that have felt pressured to uh, compromise their dignity, to climb, to the, climb corporate the corporate ladder. And then you've got something like the Playboy brand that is gets stick for it, for want of a better word. And actually, it's completely the opposite. The girls are paid really well, treated really well, empowered and have options of both career progression and they don't have to give anybody a blowjob. And that's a marvellous sentence. Blowjob. <laughs> I love the fact that you came out with that one. But the thing is, I mean... You know, you look at other industries. Let's take the movie industry, right? Because there's been lots of press and, you know, I think sometimes the newspapers are full of crap to lead it a certain way. But there have been lots of press, lots of charges, lots of investigations about how many people in the movie industry have actually got young female wannabe actors and some male, not just females, and they've actually exploited them for promises of getting a movie role. Yeah, yeah, of course. But that's something we assumed that, that we Playboy assumed would happen, and it's not. completely the opposite. Well, it, yeah, it is completely the opposite. I think in any... It's whether you it's whether you can be exploited as well. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like I've kind of been, you know, I'm very independent. My mum's always, you know, kind of... I'm off the wall and spontaneous. My mum's kind of always been supportive of that. So she's never tried to like clip my wings. She tried to guide me, but you know, they always, I think my family always know that if they say no to something, (laughs) I'm going to do it. She's going to do it anyway. So let's just see what she does. So I feel like it's in industries where you're being exploited. It's like, but you're putting yourself in a position as well. Like young girls, especially are so easily exploited in any situation, any situation, any situation. And it's down, it can be down to confidence. It can be down to, you know, one of the things I always say, which I've, doesn't really make sense on this podcast, but I find it really weird is the older men going for young girls. Like there's loads of older men that love like young girls that are like 18 and 19 because they haven't got an opinion or they're, but you haven't formed or found yourself until you're a bit older. Yeah. So um, that's how you're easy to be exploited where you don't know. You know, I didn't join Playboy when I was 18. I joined Playboy when I was 23. So it's not like I was, you know, straight out of school and didn't have a career or hadn't worked a normal job or hadn't, you know, experienced anything. I was still definitely young, but I wasn't, you know, you as wet behind the ears. I yeah. had a, I'd, you know, I'd been working in um, Coventry Telegraph. I'd worked there for a couple of years and then I'd been working in sales. So I'd, ha- I'd had job roles and experience work and, you know, but I wanted something a little bit more glitz and glamour. I wanted to move out of Coventry. Um, and, I, you know, I got that opportunity with Playboy and I, and I had a great career there. So, yeah, yeah. It was, I, was, I was very lucky. But I think, you know, if, if a young girl, I think it's just guidance. Like, you you know, I could always talk to my mum about things um, or my auntie. I talked to her, my auntie about absolutely everything. But I think it's having that open dialogue so that people can just talk. Because if you don't know better and you've got no one to ask that's older, I think it is easy for you to be vulnerable or exploited or, you know. And it's also having someone to go to where you can ask the question, yeah. does this sound right to you? Yes. Or do you think yeah. this is wrong what they're doing? And, you know, it, it's every industry, guys. Yeah. There is yeah. exploitation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the point is, it's not in everything, but don't assume it's in the industries that use attractiveness the sexual shape of the body don't assume those industries have definitely got it because it's not always the case clearly but something you just said 
I want to I want to cover because I said earlier I wanted to talk about Love Island because there is an element of you know Playboy it, it had the Playboy Mansion reality thing but at the end of the day it's a much bigger industry than just that reality show but then we get programs like Love Island Big Brother in the past my one of my big not worries because it's the wrong word because there's nothing illegal going on but I do wonder even after all the previous issues of, you know, are the production companies looking after the contestants after they come out, all of that, we've had all of that in the past. One of my big worries now is young girls of 12 and 13 who they are, certainly in Yorkshire, I don't know whether it's different in Yorkshire because we're made of brass steel or something, but you've got young girls of 12 or 13 dressing up like they're 19 and 20 and their aspiration to be on Love Island. Is, is that leading us down a potential path, all this reality stuff, all this going to the point of highlighting the fact that it's all about hooking up with somebody? Are we actually not giving the right moral code to our younger generations? For me, I think younger generation especially you know, it's how do you make money the quickest? So someone like Molly May goes on Love Island and was, you know, an Instagram girl. And then now, you know, she's a millionaire. That's, it's the Kylie Jenner effect of the Kardashians. It's the, the celeb status, the great lifestyle. When I was younger, Instagram didn't exist. Okay. So I didn't have the, what everyone else was doing photo competition on a daily basis I never experienced that you know even when I was kind of modeling and back and forth to London and stuff um I didn't we didn't have Instagram so it wasn't like you know oh my god you know this person that's the same age as me drives a Ferrari or this person that's the same age as me has bought a house the problem with I think um things like Instagram and the younger generations is they're seeing people their age achieve massive goals and wealth like wealth, wealth beyond fame. measure and you look at ways that they've done that so you know some people have gone on love island or reality tv so a lot more people will head that way some people have you know got followings on instagram so a lot more people will go for like instagram but they're you know a bit of more of a glamorous lifestyle now that's what I went for when I went, kind of went for Playboy. I wanted something a little bit different and I wanted, you know, the glitz and glamour of London. But I think in reality, the younger generation, if you can mould them into something or find their passion, they'll do better at that than they will at following a Love Island. Because for me, it's not about... One thing I loved about, about Playboy is like, I'm not, I'm not famous. I'm not, you know, I was a Playboy bunny, but it's a costume. So for me, it's like, you don't have that. You don't have the fame, you don't have, you get a bit of judgment, but people are judging Playboy, not, not you know, me, not Natalie Deegan. So their opinions on a Playboy bunny, they're, they're, they're you know, I don't have to take them on board. No. They're not, they don't know me. They don't know where I'm from or, you know, who I am or anything. So it's just a, a judgment on the costume. But I think when you put yourself out there and you go on something like Love Island, they're judging you. Yeah, yeah. they are. And every move you make, everything you say, and, you know, everyone, you know, everyone weighs in on it. So there's an argument on, on, on Love Island and everyone's got an opinion on who was right in the argument or was this person right, was this person wrong? And 
that's the problem. You've got too many eyes on you. So when you come out, you get people that can hate you. You get people that can love you. I just think social media has just made it so easy for young people to really be exposed and yeah. like really exposed to the hate. And I think also there's an element of buying in, not in a nasty way, but you know, what we see on programs like Love Island, Big Brother, we don't see the entire thing. We see the no. edited clips and they want controversy. But it's just the amount of nastiness for some of the contestants yeah. is it's absolutely horrendous. And I think they're, this is the There's still people, there's still somebody's son and yeah. daughter. And at twelve and thirteen, you're not gonna be exposed to any of that. You're just gonna see somebody like Molly May or whoever. Yeah. She's met the man of her life, she's just had a baby, yeah. she's wealthy, got a big, you know, but that's contract. So, and the thing and they don't is, see yeah. the cost. That that has and had. there is a cost. There I think cost. there is oh, a cost. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I think as well, you know, you didn't see it when you grew up. So like I didn't see it. So you mm. never had that competition with someone. I think actually seeing someone your age do it extremely do it. well. And, you know, I think that makes it harder because mm. I think a lot of the younger generation will get to like 21 and be way more expectant that they should have hit certain goals. Yeah. It's so weird because when I was younger, I was like, oh, by the time I'm like 25, I'm going to be married with kids. And then 25 <laughs> passed. Um, and then, you know, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to have done this. And then that's passed. And I actually don't care about any of that now. It's so weird because it's like a really young feeling. But if I had the pressure of like, I wanted to earn this much money or, you know, Bitcoin, be a Bitcoin millionaire by then, I think I'd feel the pressure. So I do think young people feel yeah, the pressure that yeah. we, we weren't, we weren't we exposed to. We, we just can't relate it. to We never it. seen it. We never seen, so maybe, never seen what anyone else was doing. Maybe social media. Because at the end of the day, what people put on social media is often the best bits of what's going on. And the young kids don't always realise that. But it's almost like, you know, social media is, to me, potentially... Um, creating a ton of shit mental problems in the future for our younger generation and it's also creating this this image that everybody's life is fucking awesome and amazing 24 7 and I think that's the bit that I'm not convinced our younger generation are are getting the reality of they're not getting the reality but do you know what this is a new and the unfortunate thing these eras we belong to prior to the pressures of social media didn't exist so nobody knows how to deal with it nobody knows what the consequences are going to be in 20 30 years and and that will be for the future generations it to will, figure yeah. out and actually there's always been a version of this so i mean you know in the 60s parents before I mean Elvis Presley got banned for swinging his hips oh, for encouraging teenage pregnancies like you know yeah. when you so I know that that's perhaps not quite as no, but much it is of a cool catastrophic it, but it was version, at the time yeah. but I think there has always been a former generation looking at a progression that's going on and going, oh, it's going to end bad, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying it's going to end You know, look, you know. At, look at the swinging 60s and like Playboy and Hugh Hefner was massive then. Yeah. Like absolutely massive. And, you know, one of the old bunnies that I met, Jill, she was like, you know, at the time, she was like making loads of money because they were like buying houses and if they weren't, you know, loads of money. Well, to be fair, I bought my flat from Playboy money. So I was, we were still earning money. But, you know, they were doing f for that day and age. And she always says like, you know, 
it's a night job as well so like everyone's got an opinion like a dad used to be like you'll never meet anyone you work in like the hours that rats work like you're out at night like (laughs) the the same opinions that we had in the club you know 20 years later is is what they had in the 60s so I think everything evolves and changes and I think you know I think the Instagram generation it's hot it's just a whole new ball game because it wasn't it's a whole new generation but I just think you, everyone's just got to remember that your timeline of your life is your timeline. So if someone buys a house before you or gets a car, you're not in competition because it will all come for you at your time. Yeah. You know, I'm always, whenever my friends hit a goal or achieve something, I am the happiest person for them. Like I'm so happy because I know that I will get that one day. So I'm never like, oh my God, I lack something because she's bought a house before me. Well she, well, she saved and had was in the position to buy a house before yeah. me. Maybe, you know, one of my best friends, she bought a house and I was like, oh God, yeah, I need to start growing up. Like she spurred me into like wanting to be better. Instead of being like envious of it, I was like, she did the work before I did. Now she, I'm asking her for help. You know, sometimes I think it's just knowing the timeline of your life and just, you know, being a little bit more like patient with everything. Yeah. Like we're not all going to... Not all young people are going to be millionaires. And I think it's about being okay with what you want in life, even if it's less than or more than what somebody else wants in life. So, yeah, there's more to life than money, though, let's be honest. Like, in reality, you just want to have, you want to be happy, healthy, and have good people around you. Yeah. Like, if you've got good people around you and you're happy and healthy and you can go on holiday and, you know, you you don't need all these millions because I don't, you know, I don't think all these people with all of this are happy. Like, they've got a lot more objects and and that's one thing that Instagram shows you is objects. Yeah. And, And I'm the worst for it. I love a designer item, but it's just... It's it's You're like my auntie first. said. It's an object. After after a few weeks, I'm no longer bothered by that. Another shiny object has come up. So you know, I think girls get you know Molly May's got Cartier or Van Cleef or you know she's got Chanel. Everyone wants that. It's crazy because it's an object. It's an object. And at the end of the day, I can only drive one car at a time. I can only wear one <laughs> pair of shoes at a time. I don't want to carry more than one hand- handbag if I can help it. And I certainly don't want to wear twenty watches on my wrist. True. So that's where yeah, I take that one. A, it's just a competition. <laughs> but I think you have that in, in any any kind of walk of life. But I just think for, for females, like we need to be more um, like cheering on of each other. Because that's where yeah. I think as well with social media, yeah. like they the filters on there that young girls now like filter themselves and, you know, don't want to show what they really look like or, or you know, it's, it's the pressure. Do you know they banned filters in France? They've actually banned filters. I'm sure it's France. They banned filters from things like Instagram. Instagram. Um, They can't use filters in that country. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people now use them. And that's why plastic surgery is booming. Because a filter with a thin nose and then young girls go and get nose jobs. One of the things that I found, um, like being around so many girls... Um, for so many years is the pressure of girls around each other like that was one thing that being around a lot of beautiful girls it really can you know it, it makes you question we'd I say you used an example to you you know we'd hire a girl with like a bob and she'd like look sick and she's got her own look 
and a couple of months in Playboy and she wants hair extensions and she wants to like it's like girls tend to try and blend instead of just be your individual be self yourself. that's why you're beautiful that's why you got hired you know this is you, you're you you don't need like a lot of the girls will see I don't know a celebrity wear these hair extensions and then they all go out and buy them so that's why the Instagram world has such a impact but it's just I think people have just got to fall in love with their individuality like we're never all going to be the same I love that. Fall in love with your own individuality. Yeah, that's and great. By the way, guys, none of what we're talking about, we're not saying anything's right or wrong. We're just debating what's coming out what, of the modern world. What I love with, because obviously now you work at Expert Empires, you're in the leadership position again uh, in your job role here. You organise all of the events, you're head of client experience. <clears throat> Being in that community, I think that that community don't get first-hand exposure to you they see the benefits of your skill of you put on the events and you do a great job and you work really hard and you crack the whip and but I think I think this is a really nice opportunity for those people in your current professional environment (laughs) to see behind the scenes a little bit with Natalie and just how phenomenal you are and I think you should show that a little bit more (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) Yeah, it'd be really good, wouldn't it? Well, it's been absolutely amazing having you on, Natalie. Um, It's um, certainly opened my eyes because basically from media, from what I learned as a child, bearing in mind I did grow up in the late 60s and 70s. We had assumptions, We had assumptions, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't dream of having a family and a house at 25. I dream of being able to still be upright at 60 now. (laughs) You know, the world has changed. But... It, it has been phenomenal because it, it's it certainly helped me understand don't take on face value what you assume to be yeah. the case ask about the something. Ask the question. Or listen to real women and we'll ask the questions and for we'll you. And we'll ask the questions for you, yeah. So if you have got a set of questions you want to, us to ask, if you've got a set of myths you want us to dispel, just, you know, reach out to us. <laughs> So, Natalie, thank you very much for your uh, insight. It's been fascinating. And with that, Tracy, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. If you've enjoyed our conversation today, please subscribe and download the podcast. To share your thoughts on this episode or to suggest future topics, connect with us on Instagram at Real Women Podcast and... Thank you for listening.